Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. This is episode 22, in which we're covering chapters 5 and 6 from part 4 training floor of book 1, Dawn, or Octavia Butler's uh, Xenogenesis trilogy. Uh, I'm Richard Acton, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. Michael Glinkham. Hi everyone. So Hello Michael. We're, so. so we're getting close to the end of the book, and it's... Yes. Man, it's getting, I mean... How do you even say? Like the last time we had the predictions about, I said there's like the, the raising of the flags, and it's just, and man, hmm. I'm heartbroken to be honest. But I was, I knew that something like what you know what happened is what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you kind of saw it came, coming. It, it's uh, it, uh, it it felt like it was building to this kind of a uh, dramatic uh, crescendo, but uh, yeah, still hits you. Yeah, it's it's just like the only reasonable person <laughs> that was all of all of all of them it literally well, yeah, mm. it's but you know let's I guess let's not spoil it yet. Uh, well <laughs> by I mean by the time people will, you know, listen, but hopefully they mm. read the book or read read the chapters and they know uh what happened. But yeah, I do feel sorry for Lilith. Uh, yeah, the I whole mean, situation. Yeah. Very much so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, her her entire situation throughout this book, to be honest, is is not one to be envied. No, honestly, like <laughs> that's, uh... <clears throat> and it just, you know, what really hits the worst, like, is the fact that later on in the chapter, when like, um, Lilith and Nikanj have this conversation about the whole situation, and Nikanj says this was unplanned. And mm. I, at that point, I feel like if I was in Lilith's position, I would probably stab him. Like, this, this whole situation was... I mean, they were lucky that she didn't have any weapons on hand because, my goodness, it's just... It felt like um, the Onkali haven't, had, haven't learned anything from what they observed in the jail room. Mm. Mm. But, yeah. Well... Yeah, so we, we may be getting ahead of ourselves, ahead of as, ourselves usual, yes, so uh... as usual. <laughs> so maybe let's start with the predictions and then... Uh... Sure. So I thought that in Chapter 5, we will actually meet Kurt's group, right? Like, it's... Um, I thought that the chapter, there won't be any sort of in-between chapters. They were straight, you know, like, while they're traveling, they finally... The, they will get ambushed, I would say. Uh, I thought they would be ambushed by Kurt, but I was one mm -hmm. chapter too early. Yeah, well, it's pretty close, though. I'm pretty close. <laughs> I think we can give you that one. Yeah. Uh, I'm a bit ahead of time, but hey. Um, so, the chapter 5 summary. Um, so, it starts, the chapter starts with um, the description of, like, the area that Lilith and the, the group were um, walking alongside the river and we, it mm -hmm. sort of starts with the description of the upriver as the, the oldest part of the island that as the book describes and it says here in the, in the book um, this land had once been connected to the mainland had become first peninsula uh, peninsula then an island as the river changed curse and cut through uh, the connecting neck of the island or that was what was supposed to have happened that was the only illusion or was it in the illusion it seems that, you know, mm. Lilith is still questioning, if she's questioning herself now, even though she has been in this room before. So. 
yeah it's like she, she's seen the rest of the ship she knows what the you know she knows it's kind of a a, a space inside the ship but it's still so compelling and i found quite a good um uh, a good little clip of the formation of an oxbow lake as satellite imagery um sort of time lapsed over time to show what what this actually looks like if you're having trouble visualizing it yeah i saw this uh, video before it's really i remember back in uh, primary school when taught about this sort of um natural changes of the environment because of the river mm. flow and um yeah this is like this is pretty perfect of what i imagine it to be um mm. but in case of the lilith it's more like it literally is like a ring of river ar- around the um uh around the I- in center island where they're all located mm-hmm. right I think so, yeah. I think there's like a full uh, ring of river and then, um, uh, yeah, I think it's still kind of flowing partially around the um, this loop. It's not sort of a fully separated off lake yet. So there's yeah. kind of an intermediate stage where it has this property. Mm. It's pretty, yeah. It's a really nice time lapse when, well, we'll put the link to this in the description um, for help people visualizing it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so... Lilith basically was questioning herself more and more as you know as they walked you know, through the alongside the roof and although she knew that she wouldn't get lost because Nikanj and she walked around the chamber several times it was the first time for her in this particular area and then hmm. so basically the situation um like as Lilith as they were walking Lilith realized that it's getting actually quite late so she suggested that you know they should camp out for the night and because it was going to rain as well they should prepare some you know a shelter and then in the morning they could start building the boat um to traverse the the river but then you know that's when she catches herself that she took charge again to which gabriel immediately tells her that they don't take orders from her but when asked what does he want to do you know, sleep in the mud, for example, because they will, if they continue walking, they won't, they won't have time to build anything and they can't, they won't be able to see anything. Gabriel, Gabriel yeah. responds that he wants to find others, you know, and that's, that's when Lilith just sort of is like, oh, okay. Um, and, but she insists on building that shelter because, you know, um, then she can find the rest of the people um, who left mm-hmm. the camp before them because she cannot get lost and will always remember her way. Um, and then the argue, group argues sort of back and forth, you know, mentioning that, you know, they're tired and mosquitoes are relentless. And then Lilith say, no, that this is going to get even worse because at night there won't be any Onkali to protect them. So basically yep. they yeah, will, yeah, they will basically the... be eaten alive at night. Yep, not a fly repellent. <laughs> no, exactly. There's literally yeah. no chance, no mesh or anything to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep. But it seems that that idea of being protected by the Zonkali, like for t- people like Tate or Gabriel, they said, you know, they will stand it, uh, you know, mm. stand the, prote- you know, those mosquitoes, they'll, you know, they don't mind. And prompting mm. Lilith to wonder if they hated the Onkali, Kaguya in the case of Tate and Gabriel so much, you know. And mm. I wouldn't mm. be surprised, Kaguya is an ass. So... Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I feel like although he had, uh, although I need to say in the jail room, when Kaguya ex- uh, approached Tate and Gabriel, he um, 
he was much more different to what uh, he, uh, he it was towards Lilith. So I guess yeah, maybe it's it not, a, wasn't that bad, but still. Yeah, it seemed to have a slightly different attitude towards them. I think, well, maybe it, maybe it was because it was attracted to them and Lilith was kind of intended for Nikanj, so yeah. I, I don't know. But it's, yeah, I mean, uh, Lilith continues to have her... Uh, sort of disagreements with uh, with Kaguya and I, uh, I guess you know, I think we we share the the kind of no honestly, enmity that's there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just no, I just find it funny that you know, like it's you get to hate someone through uh, even though you've never met them, right? And you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we sort of Lilith's impression of of uh, Kaguya and the general kind of. Oh yeah, maybe they just couldn't stand Kaguya. That explains why. <laughs> why in particular there? <laughs> it's not like a general aversion to the fact that they're you know an alien entity. It's just that Kaguya is a bit of a dick. So. <laughs> yes, basically. Um, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I mean, she's right about camping, right? And this is the kind of you know, no, the, absolutely. They they re- they resist initially just because it's you know it's it's her idea, as it were. But it's like but she's right. Like you know, you, you need to make camp. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, especially, you know, um, if you have no idea where you are and, like, it's better to still use this, uh, whatever available sun there is to at least make some sort of protection for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you yeah. know... Pitching a tent when it's dark and wet is not fun. Oh, no, absolutely. And I do, I, I, it sounds from you, you have experience and, and I do have experience as well in this, uh, circumstances like that. So, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not fun. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the the main not fun arises later when you're cold and wet and nothing you can't get anything dry again. I mean, it's it's not so bad in um, in somewhere where it's hot, I suppose, because it's always it's always wet and it's always hot in yeah. in a rainforest type environment. But uh, when it's wet still, and cold, that's that's really that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's not fun either. Yeah, especially but, uh, you know, like you thought that you lay down the tent in somewhere like proper and then you know like some elevated area and then suddenly mm. you wake up middle of the night and your sleeping bag has soaked in because that elevated area actually is fucked and not so elevated and water is basically dripping into uh like forming a puddle underneath and it's just soaking through it's just like oh <laughs> that sounds like it comes from experience <laughs> oh god so many times especially just it's just because I went to the Polish version of the Woodstock Festival, right? And it's organized mm-hmm. every year in the summer. And there was uh, usually we uh, you arrive in early in the morning, like by the train. But um, y- you know, like the, there was one time where we arrived a bit earlier in the evening, and we mm-hmm. walked into the place, the area where it was supposed to take place, and it was just dark, and just I put. You put a tent out, and we found a nice place over in the hill. But the hill was okay. It was a hill, but the top of the hill was actually a dent in, like a, you know, a, it was lowered out, lower than we expected. And it started raining mm. like hell at night. And it's just mm. no, it's just it was not a great experience, I would say. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think in the in the jungle, just being kind of um, like off the ground and to some degree away from the various animal and insect life that's trying to eat you <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's, it's the it's, main priority you know it's just like the one thing uh, back in poland you get these like 
uh, we call them, I don't know what the English name of them, but we call them blacksmith um, uh, ants. They're like okay. big as your f- uh, thumbnail, right? Ooh. And yeah. they're like, the, the workers, they don't bite, but they sting. While the workers Ooh. have these massive, like, uh, jaws that, like, when you bite, you literally have to rip them off your fingers. And they make these, Ooh. like, sort of massive ant nests, um, like, mm. made of, like, those, you know, needles from the, like, spruce or something, right? And you can tell mm. what the, uh, that these are ant colonies because they're obvious, like, you, you cannot miss them. And mm. honestly just walking into like if you step on that they, they swarm you in a second and you know this is like mm. one of the gen- gentler like type of ants that you could meet compared to uh, like you could find in amazon forest right so yeah, i just cannot was... imagine like you know waking up in the pain you know being surrounded by ants just like oh horrifying yeah so uh, my my dad went to a, a trip caving in belize a while back and he described this um thing where a colony of ants kind of had a migration while while they were there and so they had this um they were like staying in a a house and the ants just like this big kind of swarm of ants just kind of like marched through this house and like cleaned out everything so they they just they, they they like wander through the kitchen and they just like go over all the stuff and and they and as they went through they just like killed off and carried out anything that was in there so like if they they had some cockroaches and some other bugs and stuff around but the ants just like Wiped killed out and carried like everything right so they just like <laughs> anything that was in in the way of the ants were just like removed and then the ants just kept you know just one when, when they were moving on they just left and <laughs> no bugs remaining afterwards because they'd just eaten everything wow so. i mean i've heard stories like that was it like fire ants or something like the the, the ones what's the name of those i'm thing? not sure I, re- I remember watching um a documentary about similar something and actually in the documentary itself they, st- they were talking about those type of ants that like the the, journal- the journalist was like yeah we were camping in this small house and then like you know our guide woke us up to leave the house because there's an ant colony walking through it as we're speaking so they grabbed yeah. everything what they could left the house and they're just watching this swarm of ants walking through and just and the best part is mm-hmm. that was the first night after the ants went went away that was the first night they could really sleep properly because there was no insects whatsoever around the area yeah like area within like several meters around the house was completely wiped of any living mm-hmm. creatures and it's just like wow yep i mean the the answer uh a pretty top dog when it comes to a sort of insect predation right there yeah when they're acting as a whole colony they're just uh pretty unstoppable it's like, even us humans basically just have to get out of the way and wait for them to go away no honestly it's it's pretty mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy and um and it's interesting because you know uh, recently, Kuzgazakt has been making some series about ants, right? And they talked mm. about in South America, I think, there are these mm-hmm. massive super ant colonies that basically um, took over almost the whole continent. Like it's just it's it's crazy. Mm. And a continent or a country, I don't remember, but like it's it's just so massive that basically it spans over several hundred kilometers in width, right? There's just like, and I just cannot imagine like this trillions upon trillions of ants just walking through the land just basically anything that's alive just running away yeah so the like the the eusocial insects so ants termites and bees mm-hmm. are like 
I can't remember exactly what the numbers are, but they make up some ridiculous combined portion of the world's total biomass, right? Oh, I can they're just, that's true, there's, yeah. there's so many of them, and they're incredibly successful as a as a kind of approach, right? Those big colonies of insects, they're... Uh, but it makes sense, right? Because there are, like, the animals that um, are led by hive mind, right? So they, they, they're working for the common good, right? So Well, I mean, it's not really, like, a... a a hive mind as such right it's just it, it's kind of an emergent set of behaviors from individual level stuff right it's mm. not like a but the a end result consciousness but the end result is basically every ant is working for whatever it you know whatever yeah, things yeah. it was uh, born into right and uh, not mm. that i'm you know promoting this in human society because it would never work but it just you know makes sense that they are so successful because you know they just you know this undoes this this undoes this and you know like they all work together like in um, in uh, bees, for example, like the different specialties mm-hmm. are at different points in the life cycle. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So like it, um, I can't remember like what the like sequencing is, but they they do a different job as they get older. Oh really? Okay. So it's not yeah, it's not like um, apart from a couple of specialists like the the queen and so on, but they go through different um, yeah, they just sort of like take take turns doing the different roles as it were I as thought, they go through the different stages of development i thought it depended on like anyway. what they were fed as the um, as the, as the larvae because i thought that was what's um like um determined whether they were like the gods or whether they were like just a working bee i think that might be the case in in some i, I can't remember which species i think it varies by species quite a lot okay. but I, I know there are at least some that have this kind of sequencing thing uh-huh. um but and and the feeding thing definitely is involved in um uh, like the royal jelly fed to the queen to to create the yeah yeah the, yeah the queens yeah huh interesting but, but yeah they they have really interesting genetics and epigenetics um, because of this whole uh, um, like uh, weird haploid thing that they do I, uh, there's a bunch of different variants on it um, okay. depending on the different um, ant and bee colonies but yeah a lot of really fascinating biology and and like behavioral stuff that you can get from understanding the like emergent properties of out colonies and things like um like termites Mm -hmm. like their their whole like they have this whole uh, like the pattern that they build their colonies in effectively produces like a natural air conditioning oh yeah i've heard of that yes yeah it's this whole like airflow and heat exchange pattern it's just a kind of a like evolved architecture it's uh no i've heard of that that's that's it's honestly it's pretty incredible and then you know ants you know Mm. um growing fungus they have like chambers where they grow fungus to feed uh themselves like basically mm-hmm. agriculture and um mm-hmm. and for example I, I love the fact that bees have this method of communication where they like sort of vibrate and walk in like method you know like the, around and they're like sending this like sort of almost like a morse little, code like, dance uh, yeah it's it's pretty incredible I, honestly the, the behavioral studies on insects is just incredible and um uh, and love listening to it, but at the same time, we've got, went off the tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. So uh, let's go yeah, back. There are bugs in the rainforest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. There's bugs in the forest, and they have to keep an eye on that. So Lilith, uh, for that reason, goes around the area to check if there's any, you know, ant colonies or anywhere around. If it's safe to camp around um, the area they were and gave them all the ideas, you know, tells every individual in the group you know, what to do, what they need to do. But she warns them not to go out from this area because it's really easy get to get lost, easier mm. what, than they can they think. 
And then Gabriel says to her, but you are so good, you can't get lost. To which Lilith responds, uh, it has nothing to do with being good. She has a eidetic memory and that's why she can't get lost, but he doesn't believe her. Yeah, and, and it's not an unreasonable skepticism, because I think, you know, as we discussed when she first kind of acquired this capability, like mm. the the sort of eidetic memory that you see on TV where people just have like a, a photographic representation of whatever they've seen in their head is not really a thing. Uh, yeah. And what you know, what she has is, is kind of clearly superhuman. Yeah, yeah. And even if it were, um, like even if you had a perfect photographic memory, it wouldn't necessarily like entail uh, perfect spatial reasoning ability with respect to that memory. So like navigating it's still not necessarily going to be... I mean, you'd recognize stuff, but it might not be... Exactly. Uh, Especially in the jungle, yeah. I can imagine, like, you know, plants almost being the same everywhere. It's remembering mm. all the different patterns that they've grown in. Like, I think that'd be pretty... I mean, I don't know. Like, I just cannot imagine being that accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the whole idea of kind of having a photographic memory doesn't, doesn't really make sense with the way our visual system works anyway. Because, like... We look for patterns. Most of what... Yeah, and also just like this, if you look at like the raw output from your retina mm-hmm. as like a represented image, as a representation of what it actually looks like, it's it's crap, right? It's not even remotely like HD crisp images, right? Yeah. You've got like a tiny spot in the middle that's like vaguely well resolved, and the rest of it's just kind of like a blurry fuzzy mess, black and white impression of movement. Yeah, and what we actually experience as what we're seeing is largely just interpolation by the brain it's not really you know what's interesting why i've read recently about the like v- uh, visual system is that mm-hmm. you can sort of hack it in inverted commas i would say but basically mm-hmm. if you make yourself um read a book upside down right mm-hmm. and you just continue doing it for a while after you know some time some people experience faster some people uh, slower your brain will automatically swap the text upside down yeah yeah so basically you you can still read and you'll read but then if you try to read other book normally your brain will have to still take time to accommodate to that jam your brain basically makes sure that everything is the way it should be mm-hmm. because obviously your our eyesight is you know like inversed so yeah, it's very yeah. incredible. They did this whole. Ex- there was a whole set of experiments where they gave people glasses that just um, like uh, um, vertically inverted their visual field. Yeah, um, and they had the same thing. Like initially, they were just completely confused by it, and then after a little while, it just sort of clicked. And then once they took them off, they had the same like <laughs> process of adaptation to go back again. <laughs> so it's uh, very very strange. It's uh, a natural mm-hmm. high. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, hmm. the chapter continues then with them building the shelter um, basically it's just a roof under which they can hide you know put hammocks and spread mats and pro- to protect them uh, all the group you know against the rain and mm-hmm. um, as the you know the chapter goes on the group has having a meal I think it was corn just corn you know and realizing how unsatisfactory it was Liv suggests that they could fish tomorrow um, even though they don't have any fishing equipment, like she used spears. Um, but no, Ray suggests maybe boys and hours could work. But um, yeah, and during the conversation, like Tate says, like, Will's fish. But like, there's something like strange 
chemical like chemistry between like Ray and Tate and it seems that Lilith was like a bit confused about like what's going on like as if something was wrong between them um hmm. so it's it seems to be th- there seems to be something wrong uh in the group itself as well yeah yeah we get kind of the beginning of there's a sort of um tension between the couples they're not quite gelling as they were before yeah yeah mm. Honestly, I, I, I mean, like, I, I really admire people who like can s- do the fishing with like using spears because, like, honestly, whatever you see in mm. the f- uh, water is usually like completely in the wrong position, uh, to where yeah. you, where it actually is. Apparently, that is like the main challenge with bow and spear fishing is just being able to kind of, um, it's another one of those like perceptual things, right? You have to kind of just get good at. at handling the fact that you've got this refraction that's giving you an illusion of the fish being in a very different place so you have to like aim um as i was looking this up to see what the, like the degree of adjustment is apparently um for like lateral distance uh-huh. between you and the the target it's like you adjust about four inches down for every 10 feet of lateral distance so it's like and then 10 about- centimeters in the, in uh for what every three meters uh <laughs> thereabouts more like two and a half ish i think yeah as i i i, I use um imperial because i i don't know I, I can i can do both but i'm really bad at translating between the two when it comes to actually just doing okay, the numbers. Okay. but I, I can i can intuit the distance in either but most people um sorry for interrupting you it's just at least in i can't work sorry, with yeah. feet and inches at all so for i need to always convert <laughs> myself um yeah um uh yeah i, I I should have written down the metric ones as well because I can't do them in my head. No, it's fine. So you're but, saying in lateral yeah, yeah. four inches for every ten feet, and what about depth? And then, yeah, for depth, you like for every like perceived foot of depth, you add like three inches. Oh, okay. So you basically have to aim low and then like even lower, um, in order to be actually hitting it in the right spot. Huh. Um, okay. Well, mm. next time when I try to catch fish uh, with my bare hands. I'll try to, uh, like in Mulan, just, you know, the animated series, just like when they're trying to catch fish with their own hands, then I'll try to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that might be why the spearfishing is perhaps initially a little easier because you're generally doing it from slightly closer up. Uh-huh. So there's slightly less distortion to correct for on the lateral distance. Whereas if you're trying to shoot a bow, you're probably going to be going it from slightly further away. Yeah, you have to really know uh-huh. how to adjust the, you know, the distance. Because um, mm. usually, I mean, spear fishing is done like in the very shallow water, so the distortion is just mm. almost minimal, isn't it? Um, it is what it is, but I think it's just the um, the reason it's done in shallow waters. I suppose is probably more for the practical consideration of how far can you get the spear and how easy it is to see the fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and for them to be near the surface and so on. But, but anyway, yeah, it sounds yeah. it's good. I I will have to remember these values. I convert them later in centimeters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just ripped from the Wikipedia page on bow fishing. So oh, okay, I <laughs> they see, had I them, see. <laughs> they had them there in uh, um, metric units as well. Okay, brilliant. So back in the chapter, um, we're told that when it started to rain, everybody you know started putting hammocks, mats, etc. And Lilith um, put hers beside Joseph, and they lied down. You know, and then, you know, as a couple, she tried to jo- touch Joseph, but he, he immediately drew away. Like the touch felt wrong, repelling, hmm. and Liv then realized that before Nikinj appeared, there was no problem with them touching, 
But since then, something was wrong. Like she went, then went, grabbed Joseph's hand again and held it. And in the book it says, this following, he tried to jerk away reflexively. Then he seemed to realize something was wrong. He held her hand for a long, increasingly uncomfortable moment. Finally, it was she who drew away, shuddering with revulsion and relief. And that's where the chapter ends. And it's, hmm. it's really weird, isn't it? So it means that the whatever the Onkali, the prison of Onkali, it wasn't just that um, initial, how do you call it, attraction that they have to stay away from every other, otherwise they literally physically could die. It seems yeah. that it yeah. actually stays after even between them. They need the Onkali in between them to actually do anything. Yeah, it seems like the um, the sort of repulsion that they, that um, like imprinting on the Uloi gives you for other people uh, outside of that like trio. Uh, but then again, Lilith and Joseph are close. So I think once, but once you remove the Uloi from the trio, then ah, okay. they seem to be repelled from one another. I think that's how it works. I think it's the, uh, I think it's it, like it, the Uloi is needed in order for them to not be repelled by one another. It kind of creates the the bond. It's a. It's yeah, it's, and it also sort of I think explains why everybody is was so on edge. Mm -hmm. so far it just feels to me that maybe that they can't touch each other and that's what mm -hmm. causes the tension agree increase yeah we got that little bit of foreshadowing with with like um with with ray and tate being like uncomfortable around one another yeah and yeah i think it's uh like the absence of the lawyer starting to to crop up in their uh, relationships with one another yeah, it's but, uh, it. It made me think that is this a because th I, I can I can see why in the humans right if the humans were well I mean supposedly they're chemically not able to reproduce um, because of something the uh, Uloi have done to them mm -hmm. but I could see why like if they didn't want human only kids it would make sense to have this kind of uh, like repulsion existing between them when they're not. Um, when the Uloi are not present to to mm -hmm. kind of mediate that process, mm -hmm. but I'm, I was kind of wondering if it uh, if this is a feature of of the uh, other Oankali, right? If the male and female Oankali are also um, affected by this when the Uloi they're paired with or uh, mated with in their I... um, trios. Hmm. Yeah. Good point. I wonder if um, I wonder if it's uh, I don't know. Wasn't there a chat in that one of the chapters suggested that, you know, the male and female, like the male and female will not have sex without the Uloi? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they, they don't. Um, but I was just wondering if they have the same kind of reaction. I don't know if, they, I, yeah, I have, I have to look back and closely examine some of the earlier chapters where we see the Owen Carly interactions. Yeah. Um, when Lilith's living with them, to let's see if this is hinted at anywhere in there. But I think the presence of Olo is necessary for reproduction, but I don't know if mm. the male and female actually, you know, do anything without. Yeah, I think it. It seems like it's um, an adaptation to this kind of trade thing mm -hmm. they do, right? Because they they need to stop ordinarily um, or like um, two sex reproducing species from from doing their normal. Uh, two sexes reproduction right they want to in insert their uloi intermediary in there so i think it kind of makes sense as a as like an adaptation to let them do that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So yeah, it seems that it's it's. But it's interesting that it's also happening to Lilith and Joe, because it mm. it feels to me like, considering the fact that you know they've been together before, but who knows? Maybe maybe that's maybe that's the contraceptive that um Nikanjo was talking about. Ah, uh, maybe yeah, maybe it's not even a physical one as such. Uh. Maybe that's that the idea of like just even physical interaction without the onkali is just um. That's that's the contraceptive for them. Yeah, that feels like even more of an invasive thing to do to people when it's kind of you know they, these two had like a sense of intimacy before, and now they the, don't. Oh. And yeah, and now they've kind of taken it away from them. It's, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, and that kind of discordant note that they end on there is like this kind of the last. Uh, it's the last interaction between Joe and Lilith at the end of this chapter. Oh God, yes, it is. I'd never actually thought about it this way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that sounds. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this is what what you know the chapter six prediction came comes in because I said that uh, you know I basically this is where Kurt finds them, right? And where he finds them, it means that there's something wrong is gonna happen and. This is, as you said, this is the last interaction with Lilith and Joe. Wow. Oh man, that really is a bad. Yeah, it's a really uh, sad note. Yeah, it's a sad note. So yeah, so in chapter six, um, the next morning, as I mentioned, Kurt actually finds their shelter and Lilith gets startled and she likes not think like knowing there's something wrong and that's when she sat uh, sits up and sees um, Victor and Grogu near Joseph, she's like, oh okay, wow, we, they found us. So and then next we can build the ship together. But then she sees Kurt and the first thing he does is hit her in the head with the flat side of the machete across her face and you know uh, that stuns her a bit and then she hears the commotion. You know Joseph standing up fighting and. And then, you know, he hits her again, but then that's when she loses consciousness. So we don't really get much of the of what happened. The confrontation between those groups. It's just kind of, yeah, Lilith wakes up and is pretty rapidly knocked unconscious. Yeah, and then when she finally comes to her senses, you know, she finds herself completely alone in the shelter. And, and the one that she helped build uh, for the group, Gable's group. And then she tried to sort of follow with her steps, but, you know, she didn't really learn any on tracking so she loses them after some time and thinking about joseph hoping he was fine um although thinking that nothing before happened between joe and kurt like in the jail but uh in that cell room but who hmm. knew what would happen now and you know it's even though nikant was telling her that this whole you know there the joseph has enemies but never you know she would think that it could be Kurt yeah I mean they hadn't had a and, a confrontation no, as such before exactly yeah so Lilith then decides that it's better to just collect the little things they left her and go back to the settlement but to find Nikanj and this is where mm. what book says if only Nikanj was to, were still here perhaps it could spy on the human camp without the humans knowing without fighting then if Joseph was there he could be freed if he wanted to be would he want it or would he choose to stay with the others who are trying to do thing, the things she had always wanted them to do, all to do? Learn and run. Learn to live in the country, then lose themselves in it. Go beyond the reach of Don Kali. Learn to touch one another being as uh, another as human beings again. 
And as she started to walk, she heard sound behind her, and then mm. she saw the several Oloi emerging from the water, recognizing Nikanj and Kaguya. It's basically like a submarine just walking. So they can't breathe underwater. I think that was established yeah, yeah. before, wasn't it? I think we did establish that before, yeah. They had some some um, aquatic ancestors or aquatic trade partners not all that long ago, I think, was the... So they could breathe underwater. Uh, ...implication. Yeah, yeah. But it's in that um, the passage you read there, mm-hmm. we got kind of the... The call back to the humans touching one another as humans again. Yeah. And I think this is probably the most explicit we've um, had Lilith, like, thinking about this is what she had planned to do. Yeah. Right? Because she'd been, it had kind of been implied that she was thinking, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, handle the training, we'll, you know, put up with, with this whole situation until we're in a better spot to actually do something to, to pull ourselves away from them. Right? Yeah. So, so just sort of, to knuckle under until they had something, something that they might actually be able to get some success with, because you know at the moment they just they had like no leverage. They just they're completely in the power of, of the Oankali. So it's it's they didn't really have any other strategy. Yeah, it's the long term planning, right? So it's the idea was yeah. that what Lilith was trying to convey to the, all those idiots that were in the cell is just like watch and observe, and then when there's an opportunity, you can take it. But it seems yeah. that, you know, nobody really listened to her. And then, I mean, they still did what she was planning, but they did in the wrong place. On the ship. Yeah. <laughs> still on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once, once Nikanj and Kaguya emerged from the water, she asked them, you know, they know where they are going, to which Nikanj says yes. But when asked about Joseph, it does, didn't respond frighteningly. And as they walk, they were walking towards Kurt camp, uh, the Uloi suddenly stopped near a gigantic tree, um, sort of covering her view and almost making Liv walking to them because, you know, she's walking fast with them. And Nikan mm. then jumped over to her and told her to wait uh, until, you know, it's good. And Kaguya tells her that she should go while the other Uloi wait. That's better. And then once she was called, she climbs over and she saw Joseph and he was attacked with mm. an axe. And basically, we were told that his head was severed from his neck. The hatred that someone must have felt for him. Kurt? She demanded of Nikanj. Was it Kurt? It was us, Nikanj said very softly. After a time, she managed to turn from the grisly corpse and face Nikanj. What? Us, Nikanj repeated. We wanted to keep him safe, you and I. He was slightly injured and unconscious when they took him away. He fought for you. But his, hindri- his injuries healed. Kurt saw the flesh healing. He believed Joe wasn't human. Why didn't you help him? She screamed. She she had begun to cry. She turned again to see the horrible wounds and did not understand how she could even look at Joseph's body so mutilated, dead. And it's just yeah. wow. Yeah, that's and it's it's such a uh, the, the the irony of it being the fact that he healed, which they tried to do to protect him, that that kind of set Kurt off and got him so like scared and that he you know hacked his head off i thought uh, i thought that this whole healing process would be like you know if you break a bone instead of taking like three weeks to heal it would be like i don't know a week or something right if you have a cut hmm. you know the bleeding would stop but like um you know it would only heal after a day or something right but like Hmm. not something that visibly like you know i don't know um you see in science fiction movies where basically the enemies hit and suddenly like their face just reforms perfectly 
like in Terminator, mm. for example, the what was it? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it sounds like it was. I mean, it's, it's not quite like you know, uh, it it occurs in like real time uh, in a short period of time. Yeah, I thought it was more like you know, gentle sort of like you know processes taking place, but faster, but not in like, wow, it is immediately molding again into a you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it clearly has some limits, but it sounds like it's kind of like noticeably faster than an ordinary person would heal, like enough that uh, enough that you'd notice. Yeah, it's just I, I'm not surprised that would set off someone because I mean, I mean, most people are not used to seeing like um, you know bodies and you know some gruesome things and. But then mm. we all know, like, you know, when we hit ourselves or hurt ourselves, it takes forever for anything to heal. But when mm. you see something immediately happening, it's like, yeah, this is something wrong. It seems like, yeah, I can imagine the person, like, people around uh, Joseph freaking out. Yeah, and the sort of the, the paranoia that they already had around kind of Lilith being some kind of a, mm. a changeling or something yes, like that. Yes. You know, the whole... Uh, you know, sort of seen some of what the the aliens can can do in manipulating biology and you know growing all the walls and stuff. So being kind of freaked out about the fact that someone who you thought was human was healing in a way that was clearly not human. Yeah. Would uh, you know? I, I I could see how that would be uh, disturbing. Mm. And then Lilith asked, you know, Nikanj, why was she alive? You know, considering she was the enemy number one. Um, hmm. because she was even more different than Joseph. But Nikanj thought that Kurt didn't mean to kill anyone. Joseph injured Kurt when he hit her, and when he saw Joseph healing, he screamed. Um, and in the book it says, you know, scream like he'd never heard anyone screaming before and attacked him. And Nikanj then proceeded to explain that whatever happened there, it was out of their predictions and plans, you know, what it wasn't planned. So it just hmm. feels to me like... Okay, they were allowing those humans to leave and everything, but it's just so. I don't know, like. <sighs> animals, like watching animals. Yeah. Yeah. I say it does, it feels like the Owen Kali, like they're not being kind of judgmental of the humans in this scenario. They're not, they're, they're not sort of ascribing responsibility to Kurt in any meaningful sense. They're just sort of. It, yeah, it does feel almost like you know how humans talk, talk and think about zoo animals, right? If one of if you know, if a zoo animal kills another zoo animal, they're like, oh, it's it's just kind of sad, and the failure is like on us as the the keepers. But there's this kind of weird, uh, like the the Uloi uh, are kind of and and the the Oankali are kind of you know they're they're also intelligent and they know that the humans are intelligent. We're kind of closer in. Uh, competencies than like humans are to zoo animals so they still have a sort of slight condescension but it's not quite as it's you know it's a slightly different dynamic to like us and chimps it's a it's a uh, yeah leaves you in kind of a weird place yeah it just feels to me like but it feels to me right this similar situation like i think humans would react the same if for example when we finally like you know in I don't know several hundred years, we managed to conquer the interstellar um, travel, right? And then we land on some pl- mm. we find some other planet, and then we find let's say some primitive uh, beings like similar to you know what the ans- our ancestors were, right? I think it would mm. be the same. We would treat them like you know um, 
uh, immediately they'll be like, you know, um, this idea of like treating them like animals, right? No, they're not. They're not as intelligent as us, so we are. We are clearly superior. And then obviously there will be exploitation of them, probably slavery, and then mm -hmm. there'll be groups on Earth uh, going no rights for those beings, let's say. And then it's just it's it's going to be like basically any sci-fi movie, like starting from Avatar and going <laughs> all the way back to you know any sci-fi movie that has ever existed, right? <laughs> yeah, it is a fairly common trend. Right? But it's honestly, well, uh, it's yeah. when you think about it, it's all those movies, all of their science fiction, like they are so close to what humans will do. Like the, there will mm. always be those people who feel uncomfortable about this, and there'll be those who just don't give a crap about it, and it's like they're given orders, and or they just simply don't care because those beings are not as intelligent as they are, or what whatever edge mm. we have like, over them, we'll use it and show this that we're superior. It's just like, yeah. Mm. But the moment, but the moment it happens to us, is like, oh no. <laughs> Yeah, when we see uh, something more intelligent than us, yeah. I mean, there's um, is it the the uplift saga? I think where it's kind of like the inverse, where where we take um, or various you know like civilizations take a civilization that's kind of lower down on the the rung and like try and raise them up. Like, I think we start like uplifting dolphins or something in that saga. You know, make more intelligent dolphins. Okay. Um, it's kind of the yeah. It's just uh, it's just an interesting take. This on whole, whole situation is like I don't know. The mm. author really showed that if the roles were rever were re uh, reversed, we would be doing the same thing. Yeah, I'm hundred percent sure. It, it'd be like mm -hmm. honestly, hundred percent like this. But, but actually, I think it would have been really interesting to see what the interactions between humans um homo sapiens and neanderthals like uh, were because we i mean interacted with them they were probably a, a, on a very similar level of intelligence to us we interbred with them and yet they died out so well uh, i can tell you a bit more about this because uh actually in fact i have read about this fact in fact, and basically what happened was we hmm. committed a whole planet genocide on them that's what happened hmm. right they were stronger, yeah. physically stronger than us, but we were more um, societal beings. Like, as in, like we were a bit more, a bit more intelligent, and we were working in groups, and that's what um, mm. basically gave us the sort of edge over the Neanderthals, and we wiped them out. Like it was both, you know, like it, it was basically a whole planet genocide. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd heard some indication that um, it's kind of. Um, they may have been more like spatially intelligent in some sense because um, they designed some interesting spears and mm -hmm. stuff um, and some implements for hunting but then we were like more socially intelligent yes. we were better at kind of like uh, you know the politics of banding together to wipe them out basically uh, i mean yeah. we do possess between one to four percent of neanderthal dna uh in our genome but it shows that mm. there was some interbreeding between the two species, but yeah, we completely wiped them out. There was like, it was just basically a whole planet, complete destruction of the species. It's just... I think the, the last ones were in um, somewhere around the Strait of Gibraltar, I think. Oh, really? It was kind of the last enclave of the Neanderthals, huh. if I'm remembering my wow. history of that right. Just shows what species we are. And doesn't matter what our technological technological advancement is, we will wipe out anything that's uh, standing in our way. 
Uh, yeah, it would be. I think it, part of the reason it's, it's so interesting is it would be, a, um, it will be a really interesting kind of thing when we have interactions again, either with intelligences with, that we've created or intelligences that are you know, alien or something else that's you know kind of on our level but alien in some yeah. sense. Um, so I feel like um, hmm. it's going to be really. Uh, yeah, I mean this this book this book is basically a guide of what's going to happen. <laughs> uh yeah yeah so let's go back but i guess to the chapter um mm-hmm. so lilith in her shock of what she was hearing what she saw just sat down on the ground almost catatonic but eventually you know with no like not responding to nikan she uh and the insects that were crawling over her basically just lifts her up and waking up her from shock and then suggests that they should pick the body they, they will pick the body and then bury it on the earth um it touched her experimentally with a sensory arm she glared at it wanting desperately to be le- uh, let alone no it said softly no i will not let you uh alone well, I, no i let you alone once the two of you thinking you could look after one another i won't let you alone now as Nikanj, Nikanj's arm wrapped around her neck, Lilith pleaded with him not to drag her, but she wanted to feel for Joseph, but Nikanj wanted to share her feelings because Joseph was belonging to it as well as you know, Lilith, and Lilith then asked Nikanj to share what it feels. And this is what the book goes. It touched her face in startling human uh, gesture. Move the 16th finger of your left strength hand and said soft, uh, softly, one more case of Onkali omniscience. We understand your feelings, eat your food, manipulate your genes, but we are too complex for you to understand. Approximate, she demanded, trade. You're always talking about trading. Give me something of yourself. Yeah, yeah. so I think the, um, like, Lilith is, is asking for Nakanj to, to share its, exp- what it's feeling with her in the same way that it can perceive what she's feeling. It, she she wants some some reciprocity from it. Um, but and I think that it is a bit dr- difficult to pass this move the sixteenth finger of your left strength hand thing that um, uh, Nikanj says in response to her asking it to share the emotion. And I think the the meaning of that is like you're asking me to do something I I I can't do because like you don't have the the right like anatomy to perceive to, it to do that thing yeah yeah that's it's not yeah uh not something that you can understand or do yeah, because you know like you don't have a 16th finger or a strength arm yeah um but then the uloi mm. the other uloi you know when there's this conversation just happening they focused back towards them and withdrew their bodies as if in embarrassment and anger but Lilith didn't care they only took and never gave which is true to be honest and this is where mm-hmm. the book describes and it's the first time we sort of experience what uh, or the Onkali are experiencing. Nikanj pressed the mm-hmm. bag on her neck uh, with a sensory hand, warning pressure. It would give her something then. They stopped walking uh, by mutual consent and faced one another. It gave her a new color, a totally alien, unique, nameless thing, half seen, half felt or tasted. A blaze of something frightening yet overwhelmingly compelling extinguished a half-known mystery beautiful and complex a deep impossibly sensuous promise broken gone dead the forest came back around her slowly and she realized she was still standing with the couch facing it her back to the waiting oloi that's all i can give you 
Uh, and you can't say, that's what I feel. I don't even know whether there are words in hu any human language to speak of it. So I th this is the first time mm. we actually experience, or we're told what the Onkali sort of experience. Huh. And um, it's incredible, isn't it? Like, you just yeah. think about, like, you see a new color, you can taste it. Like, it's like um, when people mm. see sounds or hear colors right so there's this sort of mm. yeah the synesthesia yes that's the uh, word i was thing. looking for yeah um and it's yeah interesting cause it's kind of a, a new um a new qualia as, as they say in like the philosophy of mind circles right a new kind of experience of a of a of a thing an in, internal experience of a thing like seeing a new color it uh that's quite a uh quite a a, a powerful thing to be able to like transmit to someone else uh, i mean you know you could have to sort of i don't know maybe connect like nikan to connect his vision to what she was seeing but like i don't know it just feels like i mean you know we can uh, i would like to see what infrared or like ultraviolet feels like if we had the possibility to um see those wavelengths of the of light when there's a new thing that we can perceive, we have to kind of invent a new internal state that represents that thing, right? Because yeah. like we know what it's like to to see red, but we don't know what it's like to see in the infrared. So we'd have to, you know, devise some new internal representation to experience it differently. Mm. Um, I just for me infrared just like just a conversation i feel like infrared is you know it's it's more of related to heat right so mm -hmm. I, I think somebody i i think i found a youtube video we had this conversation before about the how do animals see, yeah. i think and some other mm -hmm. ways yeah. of vision imagining how the vision would be like if we saw an infrared we could be able to see like the time in terms of why, for example, if somebody sat on the chair, we could see the the heat signature of that person, yeah, like yeah, you know, there, like sort of like the you could see the um, the heat at least on the materials that can preserve that infrared heat um, mm. signature that can be there. And then yeah, we definitely we discussed that before, right? Because it's it's got this whole um, it, it's not just a new internal sensation, but it has a whole set of implications for for. Um, like how we act in the yes, world exactly, it brings exactly. that new temporal component to our perceptions. We had this conversation before, yeah. And, you know, we know that, yeah. like, bees see in ultraviolet and we know, we've talked about it, that, you know, they can, um, they see, like, you know, um, things that on flowers, they have different colors and they have, like, guiding mm. sort of uh, lines or arrows even to, to show where the bees should land and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it'd be very interesting to <laughs> no. see how it... Um, um how it goes uh how it be but i think like infrared probably would be the more interesting one i think also even just like uh, expanded sense of smell oh right? yeah i mean when you look at um like the the complexity and sophistication of like a dog's sense of smell right i mean there's a um i think the comparison is like the surface area of the brain that's dedicated to um like uh smell perception in humans is something like the size of a postage stamp and then for like a bloodhound or something it's like the size of a handkerchief <laughs> yeah and there's a there's so there's clearly a whole uh, enormous additional set of um complexities to the like the the qualia of experience that you can have associated with smells um that we just don't have a an analog for 
Uh, I guess I guess things like this, you know, would probably some new sensations would have would affect probably many senses that usually are not connected, right? When you think about like, you know, what the book just described, maybe you could see and taste something like that usually you shouldn't be able to taste. Like for example, you know, you look at the flower, you can't taste it, but like when you look at it, the new color, you actually can taste that it stimulates your taste or something. So I guess those new sensations would be that kind of um, synesthetic uh, aspect of this kind of this perception that we have here. I think is it's like an artifact of not having um, of not having that sense natively, yes. as it were. Right. So I mean, if, if you grow up with like the full range of the color spectrum from from UV to infrared, then it would seem normal to you and like you wouldn't have to resort to inventing something new to attach to the representation if it suddenly was added to your sensorium right it wouldn't be a i think it would be less of this uh, um like weird hybrid of like taste or whatever because it would be more familiar to you right you would have assigned kind of an, an internal representation to it earlier so it would have been more like consistent with the rest of what you put yeah. together. Um, so I think that might be part of you the, know what? Like the difficulty translating that Nikanj is having. You know, here. like, you know when it's really cold, like super, super mm-hmm. cold, you can taste mm-hmm. the cold when you think about it. It's like super sharp and mm. breathtaking, right? So it's like you can almost mm. taste that coldness, right? And I think somebody, like, I I saw a comment on Reddit, I think it was from Twitter uh, conversation or something, that people were talking about, like, just some sort of sensations, like, when it's super cold, you can almost taste Mm. it because it affects the, it stimulates the nerves in your mouth, but it usually are, like, responsible for the taste, right, or something. Same with the heat, when it's super hot. You can feel it's almost like, you can see the, you know, the air, like, um, like... It feels almost like a weight. Yes, exactly, exactly. It feels like so. I can imagine those extra new sensations being like this. That basically there's uh, those like in those cases of these extremes, we can almost like Hmm. perceive them with all other senses because they stimulate them in one way or another. Um, So I can imagine being like here and here as well, just sort of this type of sensations. Hmm. Hmm. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, so the, we see this kind of uh, close interaction between Nikanj and Lilith mm-hmm. immediately, you know, following uh, their having kind of left Joe's uh, mm-hmm. body. And it's, it seems like this may have driven a, a wedge between Lilith and the rest of humanity, right? I think she may be, uh, I don't know, this may have kind of, uh, shaken her affinity for for humans a little bit or shaken her her faith in humanity just a touch because to be honest i'm not surprised she seems like yeah it's it's unsurprising um but she does seem to be kind of turning to nikanj a bit more for for comfort in this moment to be honest i'm surprised that she even does that i mean you know nikanj finally did show her something that she never experienced before fair enough but for me it feels that Mm. this whole situation is I mean, I wasn't expecting anything else from humanity. Like, generally, I have really, really low expectations. But honestly, this this is like beyond what you know. But it was to be predicted. Like, it, it, something had to happen. 
and whether to, to mm. make you know there had to be some twist in the book or something um obviously to keep people's attention to the book but also in the fact that it w it's very likely that it would happen humanity there'll be most group that they can't think of anything longer than you know a beyond their noses so they would just jump into things and just do stupid stuff like you know going to the cupboards where the food was provided and thinking that like they will catch mm -hmm. other humans or whatever you know like as if they had any chance and yeah and the whole idea is just like when there's so much evidence around you and just the time for like you know considering the fact that the onkali didn't follow the humans at all uh, it's just mm -hmm. like it's a clear indication they know what we're doing they're observing us all the time this is not the time to be actually going independent although you know you can try to try to be independent instead of learning but fair enough but like it was obvious that this is not the point where you should be trying to go like Lilith wanting them to to you know being just humans right and it just felt to me that like this whole attitude of this, that group of people was just just they just plain mm. tools that's it just like L lilith was was able to to get a, some perspective on their situation right because she had she had that time in the ship with the owen carly kind of seeing their society seeing their seeing their engineering their 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 you know the, this enormous ship that they lived in seeing the the earth from the window it was like she had the the kind of outside view right the ability to step back and take the perspective and say okay right we are utterly outmatched here and nothing but the long game is going to be even remotely possible but the rest of this group didn't have the same yeah i i, I mean yeah that's that's giving them benefit of the doubt yeah i agree this is but in the same time when you have a you know alien when you finally see an alien i mean mm. that's pretty yeah. it, I mean, solid argument of being like wow okay mm -hmm. yeah like it, it should probably have been enough to to be able to step back and take that perspective um but uh yeah but i think that also the fact that lilith is able to have that perspective and that it's one that she kind of has to share with the the owen carly right that that's their perspective as well uh that is another thing that distances her from the rest of humanity. She's she's been able to see the bigger picture, yeah. uh, and they haven't yet. Uh, yeah. So I, I can imagine. Hmm. Yeah, this is. I mean, always we have this conversation all the time, but I just feel like this whole situation could have been avoided if they did the same thing to the humans as they did with Lilith. Show hmm. them around, prove them, prepare them for the Earth, and then um, just make them accept what what it is that they're experiencing yeah it, it it does kind of feel like they're um setting themselves up to fail in some yep. sense but um, i do wonder if perhaps um maybe they don't have a good success rate with individuals the way lilith um was kind of able to uh like adapt to to just living with them mm -hmm. for a little bit I'm wondering if perhaps they they do this group thing because a substantial number of people just don't manage to do to get as far as Lilith did. They don't manage to to kind of live among the Oankali for long enough to get that perspective. Yeah, I mean, well, let's see, because I guess the next chapters will explain to us what's the 
situation, you know, Lilith's role in this whole. Yeah, I was going to ask if you uh, you think that might be the fact that there's kind of this now greater wedge between Lilith and the rest of the humans because you know, they they've killed Joseph. Um, like, yeah, uh, as you said before, like the one one person who seemed to be you know sharing her perspective on this, the one who was kind of level-headed and reasonable in this group, um, and. Do you think that the her um, likely sort of alienation from the rest of the humans will be a problem for for the Oankali's plans for for, th- Lilith, for her? I think at this point, the Lili- all the Oankali plans are out of the window. Like at this point, they've realized that whatever they were doing was a mistake, and um, you know, because this is where the chapter ends, saying basically, you know. Lilith realizing that Nikanj is also grieving in its own alien way. They all head out towards Card's camp. And my prediction mm. was, no, they reached the camp, there's a confrontation and basically somebody's gonna be dying and I think it's Kurt going, who's going to die. Um, simply because um, the fact is that Lilith is going to um, uh, this whole situation, you know, like the whole idea, you know, Joseph dying and obviously Lilith's gonna blame Kurt and she's gonna get involved in this mm-hmm. whole fight and there's gonna be no... So I feel like this whole role, um, the, all the plans are out of the window and basically what's going to happen is that the perpetrator who, you know, Kurt in this case, who did this, is going to be... Um, is going to die. The rest of them are gonna be probably sent on Earth uh because there'll be just basically this this experiment was not working we're gonna show you around that you're indeed in the ship and off you f off to the earth because you know that's that's where your place is um but i feel i feel lilith is not going to join them because this whole idea because when you think about it this whole idea all this time it was correct, right? This, this whole, she was correct. She was the one that Adam and we on the ship and everything. And like, even though if Kurt is going to be gone, although I thought he was entirely, but people like Gabriel and the rest of the Kurt's team are going to blame um, Lilith for this whole situation, right? That the, you know, like that maybe she's the cause of um, this the aliens taking over. Lol, like as if it was their mm. her fault, mm. but. <laughs> It could be. They will try to find, <laughs> yeah. and then finally on the Earth, they'll basically, you know, um, uh, I, if I, I just imagine it like if if Lilith goes on Earth with them, why would she help them in any way? For what mm. all mm. they did was basically um, alienate her and go against her, and basically at the end of the day, you know, it's. Uh, it's going to be basically all of them, you know, Joseph died. What did Gabriel or Tate do? What the rest of the friends she had did to stop that, right? So yeah. I feel yeah. at that point, like Lilith, I don't even think Lilith would want to go to Earth at that point. But who knows? I don't know. I just, it feels to me, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with those people. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, interesting prediction. Because, I mean, it makes sense. Like, you know, it's uh, everything so far, it was against her. Everything, even though she is, you know, she's been showing that we are an aliens, blah, blah, blah. They saw aliens, they still died her. They, they go, you know, the, the, on the, you know, I mean, the chamber is pretty convincing they're on the earth. But, like, 
they literally True. from the description of the book they walked in the corridor right so like um yeah yeah uh, to the, the chamber like is <laughs> well okay do you see yourself anywhere like you know do you see any like a dome or something of alien like settlement or something like uh, yep. um, i mean i don't know That's if it's true. like a plot hole in the book or something but just okay and then you know so but i i expect that something is going to happen to kurt like he it has to be there has to be some judge like the justice to for Lilith. <laughs> justice for Lilith. that's what we want everyone justice okay. for Lilith. <laughs> justice for Lilith, right <laughs> <laughs> hmm okay interesting so i i'll just note that um next week we're going to be doing i think two chapters yes. again right it's uh yeah, uh, is it uh, seven and eight at this yes. point? Yeah, seven and eight, and then uh, I think nine is the yeah. last one. So we'll uh, we'll do that on its own. And then we do the summary of the, the what we've done so far. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll probably um, nine will include like a uh, a uh, a sec- after we finish the last chapter, we'll do kind of a retrospective on on uh, on the whole book, as it were. Do you remember back. when we in the first episode we were talking like, oh, we should keep an eye like a spreadsheet of like how close was I with my predictions, how far away? We haven't done that at all. <laughs> no, yeah, we didn't. <laughs> we really didn't keep track of that. We very absolutely well, did, we? did not keep track of it. <laughs> so I guess we'll mm, just yeah. look into it and be like, well. I mean, overall, we can look about the general because some of the uh, themes that we were talking about repeated themselves over the few episodes. So we can sort of like, listener engagement yeah. challenge. Right? Somebody go back through oh all the episodes, God, listen, and listen to make all a spreadsheet of, of Michael's predictions. <laughs> no, so we don't have to. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I guess we should have kept an eye on that. But yeah, I guess um, next time. <laughs> No, to be honest, I think we just have to go yeah. through our notes and be like, what's the prediction, what the chapter said, and then be like, oh, actually, I was not that correct, so. <laughs> I think uh, you actually made some pretty good predictions over the course of the uh, the course of the book. Yeah, I mean, occasionally your, your timing was a bit off, but the, uh, like the, a lot of the general points that you thought, oh, something like this is going to happen, it, something like that did happen. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah. yeah. When it comes to science, books like this, right, things... Um, some like themes are often used, right? And this is just pre- sort of pre- mm. But let's leave it to the last episode of this book for this book to to discuss this because I feel like I don't want to sound like yeah, you know can... I I know anything because you know the book can go to as often <laughs> I said before the book can really twist itself uh, to the places where I wasn't expecting. So yeah, yeah, we can uh, sort of go back and talk about some of the. The overarching themes once we've actually uh, finished the arc. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But, uh, hmm. um, okay then, um, I think that probably wraps us up. Yeah, for absolutely. This week. So thank you everyone for listening. We were Xenothesis. You can find all the record places we record. I always say this: all of the places that we put the recordings are located in our website, and I could say that the recordings are on our website. Like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thank you everyone for listening to us. I was Mike Glinka. Yeah, find us everywhere podcasts are found. I was Richard Acton. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>